podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. De Bruyne, oh, one mil city! Funnels! And Pogba leaves for McTominay! Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, EPL Index proudly brings to you the best prediction podcast in the world, A Tad Predictable. With your host, Tariwa Chanakira, and his guest, it's Guy Drinkle. I am the king. I will punish you. Any man who must say I am the king is no true king. Ladies and gentlemen, he's back again, the false king, Guy Drinkle. Guy, welcome back to the show. You are an emergency last-minute substitute. Uh... Thanks for saving us, and then I go on and bury you in the in the intro. But welcome to the show. I'm not going out my way to do you a favor, and I'm getting insulted in thirty seconds into the podcast. I'm not happy. <laughs> I do apologize. I do apologize. It was too. T- I was too tempted to do it. Uh, I couldn't help myself. But yes, thank you so much for coming on to the show. Uh, we. Unfortunately, our planned guest wasn't able to make the show. Something came up. But we've got the next best thing. We've got our producer, Guy Drinkle, and the self-proclaimed king of Banquet or Burnet. Guy, how are you feeling this week? Uh, and obviously breaking the news to the fans that unfortunately this week we don't have Banquet or Burnet. We've got a new segment coming in. Uh, are you Are you even more angry now? I'm disgusted. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even know Jake was ahead of me till a couple of weeks ago. Now I don't even get a chance to beat him again. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's almost as if I planned it. How dare you? <laughs> but yeah, we will move into the show slowly but surely. Uh, just thought we'd catch up with the self-proclaimed king, see how he's doing. Um, we'll also see how other teams are doing. Guy... How do you think the league is shaping up? What What do you think of teams' form at the moment? Who's looking hot? Look, who's not looking so good? Um, I think there's some obvious ones, isn't there? I think Spurs and Chelsea, they, they've looked good a while, especially Spurs, you'd reckon. Um, and then Southampton, they, since the Daddy Ings injury, they've, they've pretty much all gathered around and, and stepped up. Really, Shea Adams is... He's looking like a, a really good player. I'm not sure how old he is, but he, he looks like he, he could develop into one of the the uh, better Premier League strikers. Um, and outside of that, there's not really many surprise packages, I suppose. I mean, West Ham, from the start of season predictions, where I think most people would probably think they were, they'd struggle because the the window wasn't that good and pretty much everything was done late like Ben Rama's still not settled in at all the the bought like a right back didn't they in like the last week of the international transfer window but Moise has done um a spectacular job really um in, in 
I wouldn't say tough circumstances, but strange circumstances, because West Ham usually spend a decent wedge, but to kind of have a limited window and then settle in and, what are they, eighth in the league? It, it's, Ed Moyes probably doing the most underrated job in, in the league right now. Um, and that, I've, I, again, I probably thought they were in the relegation scrap, but say, pretty much safe as houses now. What, what is it? I'm looking at the form table. The only loss is Liverpool, isn't it, in recent times? So... Yeah, good job, good job by David and Alan Irving for those three games because that, that's the main, the main job. <laughs> I'm partly disappointed you didn't call him Moise. No, no, no. <laughs> no. I was waiting for it. I was waiting for it. But yeah, um, I, I agree with you with the shots that you've mentioned. Um, with regards to Shea Adams, I, I think he's 24. Knowing the Premier League, that probably means he's still eligible for Young Player of the Season, because that Definitely. that the winner of that award gets older and older each year. So I'm, I have no clue what's going on there. But yeah, he's stepped up this season. But I will go into who I think is more in form later on in the show. Just a little tease. But it is in replace of Banker or Burnett. We've got a brand new segment that will be coming up, and we will speak about that a little bit later. But for now, Guy Drinkle, fixture of the weekend, hit me. Is it not West Brom v Sheffield United? I had no doubt that that was fixture of the weekend, and I think you've nailed it on the head. But a team that seems to be struggling to nail it on the head, we'll start off with our first fixture. Um, It's Crystal Palace versus Newcastle. Look, I... you know this podcast loves Crystal Palace, but we in a bit of a they're in a timeout for me at the moment with regards to real life Premier League football because they're just not doing it on the pitch at the moment. But I've been informed that the podcast, A Tad Predictable, is starting a football manager save. I think they've started a football manager save with Crystal Palace in it. And I'm pretty sure on football manager they're gonna take them to the top. I've informed them that um, the guys running it and stuff, that I want at least European football or everyone's getting fired. Do you think that's a reasonable ask or, or am I being too harsh? Well, you posted your sign-ins on, 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 the, uh, on the Twitter earlier and you got Daniel Sturridge and Jack Wilshere. Do, do you just like sending people to hospital? It's, it's a bad strategy, though. It's a bad strategy. Look, uh, look we, we, we run things as a committee. Uh, on 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 the football manager side and we spoke about we need to get some finances into the club and getting in players like Jack Wilshire and Sturridge in on freeze definitely is going to help it's a long-term plan it's going to help us next season to just bulk up that transfer window and we're really really going to go for it because this window I think we only we only were able to give them about 20 million or so because we're trying to keep the purse strings a bit tight maybe we might redevelop the stadium, maybe go to a new stadium. We're still deciding. But for Palace in real life, they're playing Newcastle. Surely this is the game that they get the win. Everyone predicts the win and they get a win, right? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you just can't guess with uh, Crystal Palace, can you? The they're just so strange. One week they look like relegation fodder. Then who did the tonk? Was it Leeds? The battered, I think it was, wasn't it? Um, yeah, 
Oh God, they're just a very strange team. And with Zaha out, they looked pretty toothless. And even when Zaha was there, if he wasn't properly on it, there just wasn't too much going forward. Obviously, it's helped with AU coming back, Eze's back in the team. There's a bit more creativity there. Um, Townsend wasn't good last weekend. But it, it just depends on the, how well they can do without without um, Wilf in, in the meantime, I suppose. Because yeah, I, don't, I don't think it's a long-term one, is it? I think Is it quarantine he's out with? For, uh, out for? I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it if Eze can step up, if Townsend can have a good game, I'm sure they could survive without him. And maybe Newcastle's probably the perfect game for it because I'm pretty sure they've got loads of injuries themselves. I'm, I'm sure, I think uh, Bruce said three people were um, self-isolating today in his press conference. Um, so that it'll be interesting to see what their team look like because I don't, don't, I don't think the public disclosed who, who's got it, whether it's staff or whatever. Um, but. This should be horrendously boring. <laughs> that's probably my <laughs> that's my main prediction. So it'll end up being mad. Um, I'd say one one is a safe one, but if oh, uh, they're, they're just both really inconsistent because Newcastle can turn it on as well. Like I've done. I think Wilson's um still out, isn't he? Fraser's out, but if they can get Almiron into the team, Saint Maximin has been pretty bad this season. But I think they've used him like as a striker at times. It doesn't really seem to suit him. But if you can get, I don't know. I was going to say Andy Carroll Lane. I don't know why. <laughs> but if you could get Almiron, Saint Maximin, Joe Ellington looked all right last week with very limited people around him. But he's not. He's still not a number nine. You kind of need someone to play alongside him. If you get them free and, um, God. If it's not Callum Wilson, even Dwight Gales, and it? so it might have to be Carroll. Like that as a front four is probably quite dangerous because Palace seem to struggle. Like Kuyate playing centre back, Sacco's been a bit of a mess, but he is a centre back. Cahill, Dan, it's just a very aging back line. I know Andy Carroll isn't what he once used to be, but surely he could dominate that in the air. There'd be chances there, you'd think. But I'll say a 1-1. There will be chances. Whether or not they can take them, that's another question. I I, I did realise and I've caught myself in that I'm just basically asking for my legs to be broken the next time we play football because I keep putting you know the shame on Newcastle, even though they're, they're not doing too bad this season. And I can just feel my friend, my friend David just sharpening his studs getting ready to to take me out uh, when we get back on the soccer field but uh, football field but and last week i tried the whole tactic of saying that crystal palace will lose in the hope that they would win and it failed miserably they lost and um as i said i've put them in a timeout at the moment so i'm gonna go with a newcastle win a real newcastle win this time i'm sorry crystal palace but they're just not they're not inspiring me the way that I thought they would be and the way that they were at the beginning of the season. So um, it's not, you know, it, it's not like it's goodbye. It's just a, a pause. We're on a break at the moment. Uh, it doesn't mean it's over. 
we just both need to look at ourselves, see, evaluate what we really want out of this relationship. And I'm going to go with a 1-0 Newcastle win. You mentioned the amount of injuries that I suppose both teams have and, and how key both uh, teams attacking injuries are. But I, I think Newcastle are going to have just enough to get the goal in this game and take the win 1-0. And as I said, it's a real 1-0 win this time around. Um, we'll move on to our next fixture. And I, I'll sit back and allow you to wax lyrical on Liverpool going to Brighton. Uh, it's a Brighton team that, you know, we, we you know, it's, it's kind of like a running joke now that they look pretty whilst playing, but they don't always get the results. Well, they got the win against Aston Villa last week, a 2-1 win. How do you see them matching up against a Liverpool team that seems like it's patchwork, but it's working? <laughs> mm. that, that's the thing. It is work. Well, pop. Let, let's not talk about Ireland again. <laughs> <laughs> no one ever wants to talk about that game again. Um, it is working. And, well... Let that I've got the perfect way. When Origi's not playing, it works. There we go. <laughs> um, it's just weird how it is because if you think about Liverpool the last few years, it's been a really consistent eleven, really. Apart from maybe the right centre back and the odd rotation in midfield, the team's been the team. Like it's been built around Allison, Van Dijk, and the front three, and now obviously the front. Four is there now with Jota, but the stability's not there at the back. But the defense is doing all right, um, especially since Allison's back because we can't have the other bloke in goal ever again. Um, Robbo's just been on a different level. Um, Trent being out is causing an issue because Milner was excellent last week, um, but he is a hundred and fifty year old and he played all ninety last week and midweek Nico he just doesn't look ready for Premier League football, he probably needs a loan but we need him uh, unless there's another young right back it's it's a, it's a tough one really for in, in terms of Liverpool but we, we should have enough for Brighton but as you say I mean yours is the Crystal Palace half of the podcast I mean, Brighton's the two footed and mine because when I eventually do get FM, Brighton will be my team. Um, ah. But they are—they have so many injuries. Like I think uh, Potter said, Lalana's definitely out. Uh, Morpé's not. Obviously, he had that falling out with Potter seemingly, and he—he he didn't do too much last week. It's—it's uh, it, it's a tough one. Uh, March might be out. The uh, what's his name? Proper's been out all season on the back end of last season. Like did they, they need I think they need stability. Like it looks like they've got they seem to have a settled back three when midfielders are available. White, um, Duncan, Webster. I think that's a decent back three. Lamptey's obviously suspended, which is huge because he's seemingly their main threat, regardless of what formation they play. That bloke is just very fast. And very good, so he could be a threat from like if he was playing in goal, It'd be like someone playing FIFA and just trying to dribble through the team. It's <laughs> um, it's a worry for them because Brighton's somewhat kind of become my second team just because they're very enjoyable to watch, as you say. But I know he scored last week, and he'll probably score now that I'm going to jinx it. 
but if your main goal threat's Danny Welbeck in 2020, like, we kind of saw what happened with Watford, and I know he was very in and out of the team, but if Brighton are relying more on him than, than Watford, that, that, that spells danger. So I think that that's something they'll have to address in January, and they'll have to get midfielders fit, because you can't keep putting Ben White in midfield. It just doesn't really work. Like, Stephen Alzate, he must have... He must be a horrendous trainer or something because he started the season looked all right if I, from what as a neutral, um, and then he's just kind of fell behind a, a centre back in midfield. It's very strange, but um, Eves Basuma, he 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 looks like a player who could take the next step, like maybe not to a Liverpool or something like that, but a United maybe. Matic is a hundred and twenty year old. Basuma in a midfield with Bruno and Fred or something like that. I could see that working. Maybe even a step down from that. Something like Everton or West Ham if Rice moves on. You could see that. But it, it, they're a good team. I just don't think they have the level of trouble even an injury hit Liverpool. They are injury hit themselves, obviously. Um, I think the main question is who Liverpool rotate. Because Milner probably won't play or he certainly won't play all the 90. Ginny Vijnaldum's I think pretty much played every minute of the season. So, it, it if Thiago's been rumoured to be coming back the next game for about four or five <laughs> games now, I mean, it'd be nice and it'd probably be the perfect game for him to come back because maybe Lewis Dunk aside, I don't really see a nastiness in in um, in Brighton. Actually, Basuma did switch in music someone a couple of weeks ago. So, <laughs> maybe, yeah. maybe there is. Um, but... Henderson was pictured in training today, so hopefully Henderson's back. So, Henderson, Thiago, maybe it's alright for Jones to keep playing. I think that'd be enough. Or maybe we play 4 2 3 1 or 4 4 2 or whatever. But I think with people keep coming back from injury with Liverpool, and that seems to be the story with Henderson, Thiago, I think Trent's not too far away. So, I think it's going to be like a patchwork as you said at the start of the question until these injuries subside but in the busiest part of the season someone returning back from injury it can certainly um, become a worse injury in a matter of moments so I think we do have to protect the players and um, what will I say for score Um, 3-1 Liverpool 3-1 to Liverpool thank you for breaking that down for all of us. And I think, you know, as, as you said, the the more Liverpool players come back, the more maybe they'll get into the rhythm they were in. Um, well, I won't say to end last season because the end of last season was pretty shocking. <laughs> but understandably, they were already celebrating and, and partying and whatnot. But I just think you mentioned the, the Lamptey suspension. I think that's going to be huge for Brighton because I would have fancied it. You know, him being up for the challenge of taking on Mane, I think he would have really enjoyed that challenge. Whether or not he would have been successful, that's another story. But I, I, I was interested in seeing that battle. That that then gets taken away. They've got a few injuries. And I suppose this is where the injuries really start to hit teams like Brighton is Liverpool have the injuries, but they can still put out a team that is quite dangerous I'm not sure Brighton can do the same thing. And I'm looking at the injuries that they do have. You've mentioned uh, all of them uh, earlier. And I just think then they're not going to have enough. They're not going to have enough firepower. And 
uh, I don't want to double the jinx here, but we've already, you know, I, I see you've done three one. Is is that a Welbeck goal that you're just um, safeguarding? Is that an insurance policy oh, for the the back chat you it, had on him? It is now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I like your three one scoreline. Um, but I'm gonna go with a three zero Liverpool win. For some reason, they seem to be getting clean sheets. It doesn't make sense to me because I have not had a Liverpool defender in my fantasy team all season. And I refuse to put one in, especially without Van Dijk there, more so without Gomez there as well. They just look so shaky at the back. But somehow, somehow, they keep getting clean sheets. So um, I'm going to give it to Liverpool on a 3-0 win and we will move swiftly along to a team that's hoping to get back on track. They were the nom- I, th- I think they were title favourites. Am, am I not? Am I correct in saying that it's Man City? It they host about, Burnley. Yeah. yeah, I'm pretty sure they were, and they've had a really slow start to the season. But this is probably the perfect fixture for them. Sorry, Burnley fans. <laughs> yes, um, we're we obviously occasionally talk fantasy as well and i think everyone in our in our fantasy football whatsapp group is like they always beat burnley 5-0 <laughs> they, <just do. laughs> they just do but this is a very different season like um 17 18 and 18 19 i'd, I'd, I'd literally you'd probably put money on man city scoring more than four goals like that that's probably where you're at even last season, I'm pretty sure they still beat Burnley 5-0 last season. Um, they weren't as good, obviously, as, as them two previous years. But they were, they were still dangerous going forward. Like, I know Sterling had some bad, some um, barren patches. And Aguero and Jesus were kind of rotating a bit more. And Aguero was injured and he seems to be becoming more injury prone as the years go on. But this season, like... They just—I don't want to all put it on David Silva leaving, but the attack seems to be pretty broken without him there. And I—I know he didn't start every game last season, but it—it's not easy to mark De Bruyne out of a game. But if De Bruyne is the only one you have to, I think it's easier to set up a plan. But before, like back in the day, like Sane could do something, Sterling could do something. Silver, De Bruyne, even Fernandinho was a was a danger from from shooting deep. But now you look at the midfield, it's like Rodri. He's probably more dangerous at set pieces than open play. Um, and the the other midfield spot just hasn't settled down. Like Phil Foden's obviously twenty odd year old. He's kind of settling in and being protected by Pep in and out. Bernardo Silva has regressed massively. Or well, his best season was the season De Bruyne was out all season, so maybe them two just don't suit playing with each other or something like that. Um, Ferran Torres seemingly better in Europe at the minute, and obviously played well for his international international team, but Mares has taken a step back. Um, obviously Pep signed the new contract, but we see this with some managers. Sometimes it just goes stale, but they've obviously backed the manager with a two new, two two-year new contract and maybe it just needs a big overhaul which obviously a team like Man City with the with the uh, resources they have they can do that but they, I think there's 
maybe started a rebuild because the defence is looking, or the centre-backs are looking alright. They still don't have a left-back. And Kyle Walker, I think he was their player of the season so far. I think people are saying on Twitter, which is not a good thing. <laughs> um, <laughs> but if I was a Man City fan, I'd probably kind of go back to the expectations when Pep first came back in because I think they have to restart the process. Like Most of their signings recently have been failures. Let's be honest, like Mendy, 50 mil, oh dear. Um, Mares for 60-odd mil. Uh, I don't think that's good value. He's a good player, no doubt, but it's, it's, uh, I don't think he's, I don't think he was the right player to replace Sana. Not at all. Um, so I think they're going to have to start the rebuild process and maybe that starts with like finding your long-term successors to David Silva and uh, Aguero. Um, but yeah, I'm still confident Man City will win this game. But I mean, Sean Dyche is Sean Dyche is a great manager. Like, if it wasn't for him, I think Burnley would have been back in the Championship a long time ago, or probably wouldn't even got in the Premier League in the first in the first place. Um, I don't think he'll be as an emphatic as as years past. I'll say, I'll say three one. Three one to Man City. I'm gonna take that three one. I'm gonna slap you across the face with a five nil because <laughs> three of their last six games have been five nil games, and I'm just gonna bet the odds here. Fifty fifty chance. I'm pretty sure that's how it works, right? Uh, fifty fifty chance that they're gonna, be, they're gonna win it five nil. I'm if, gonna go with the five nil City win. What if Burnley win five nil? That would be insane. That would automatically make it. The game of the weekend, I think, before even, <laughs> yeah, game of the season. I, I, I just don't see. You know, as as bad as City have been this season, I think Burnley have been equally, you know, as bad, relatively speaking. I think, yeah, Ruben Diaz I, has I, not seen anything like Chris Wood in his life. <laughs> he would not have. But <laughs> is it the same Burnley side? And not to not to forget, it's going to be at the Etihad, a much bigger more space, the grass will be cut probably a lot better than where it's going to be in Burnley. And it's no disrespect to Burnley, it's just the style of play for City allows for them to to want and prefer a carpet and watered pitch. And Burnley, not so much for, for their style of play. I think Burnley are going to struggle in this game. I think City are going to be upset and angry about what happened last weekend against Spurs. They need a reaction uh, it probably helps them that the fans aren't there because the fans will, if the game doesn't start well, the fans will automatically be on their back. I think they just put their heads down, get back to work and go and win this 5-0 and try and get their season back on track. I, th- I think the big issue for City this season, and I mentioned it at the start of the season in that they were always going to be chasing this season because they didn't have the first game week. So no matter what they did, they were always going to be, you know, three points behind if the other teams won all of their games. So that psychological, you know, factor of always being, you know, calculating how do we catch up. I know it's one game and it's the next game, but those little things do play a factor. But to me, they just, they've lost the fight for me. They, they've lost that killer instinct of, this is what we're going to do. We're going to win the league. And I think it also has to do with the fact that a lot of those City players, they were there when the leagues were won. They know what it takes to win a league. And I'm getting that attitude of like, 
that's that's a lot of effort, man. <laughs> like that's a lot of effort, man. And and you see other teams that are playing really well at the moment, and yeah, they they need to get out of that funk. I, I don't know how Pep gets them out of there. You mentioned a rebuild. If it's a rebuild that needs to happen, or if it's him, you know, pulling in Hasenhutl and and gearing the players back up again. I'm, I'm, to me, I'm, I'm not sure how he does. I think the rebuild, knowing the the resources they have, is probably the option that they're going to take. But yeah, at at least for this weekend, Man City get to relive the Man City of two seasons ago, maybe even last season, the season before that, the the, the Pep Man City that they were used to that would go in, be tunnel up. You know, in in the first ten minutes, you think they're going to slow down, and no, we're just going to keep hammering you, and 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 they come away with that five 0 win, and I think that's that's a, you know, I, I won't say too much about Burnley just because I haven't seen the the Burnley that I recognise from previous seasons so far this season, and it's just waiting to see if they're able to bring that out, and unfortunately, I don't think they'll bring this out in this game. And the game that follows this one is a team that's synonymous with big scores. Uh, it's two teams, actually, that are synonymous with big scores this season. It's Everton and Leeds. This game's ending 100-100, right? I mean, no one can defend in this game. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure I'm right in saying Everton haven't kept a clean sheet since the first day of the season, is it? Or even... I can't even remember. It's, um, it, it's mad to think, and obviously... There's not loads of injuries, but there's some key injuries there, like Lucas Lucadinia, um, for Everton. Like he's pretty much fantastic, and obviously they played free at the back last week as a wing back. I mean, he's probably their you'd probably say their main creator, really. Um, from that from that spot, and obviously he's a he has a good relationship with um Richarlison on that side. I think their backup left back. Uncuckoo, if I, I think that's how it's pronounced, or however you say it. I'm pretty sure he's right-footed, because I remember speaking with Dave about him. So if if he's right-footed, that obviously takes a lot of width out of that team, because Richarlison plays narrow and, and close to um to Calvert-Lewin. So I think that's a huge injury, and I'm pretty sure uh, Joyce bot, um, Paul Joyce, said it was it might be months rather than weeks, so that that's quite big for Everton obviously does like a hundred games in in the month of December so that doesn't help. Um so I think that might tilt the favour in Leeds because uh they've got a couple in a few injuries. Um Pablo Hernandez, Lorente Shackleton, um are questionable according to Flash score. And then Adam Forshaw and Berardi, I think they're out for a while. Um but they struggle. They struggle to score against Tedman Arsenal, but they they should like Everton are much worse defensively than Arsenal. So I with you here. I think this is goals, goals, goals. It's just <laughs> whether if it, the only thing is Leeds. If Patrick Bamford doesn't score, do Leeds score? That seems to be the question. Like Rodrigo hasn't really settled. He's he's very in and out of the team. Uh, Rafinha. Didn't do much against Arsenal. Um, maybe they need um, Hernandez back into the team just to kind of be that experienced head and stuff like that. But I'm kind of making Leeds the favourite. I think without Dinya, I think the system kind of breaks down a bit. Obviously, I think they'll count a lot more on a Warby if they play free at the back again because he was quite good last week. But 
they did concede, what was it, two goals to Fulham and should have been more. Yeah, means not great. Um, so I'm going to go 4-2 Leeds. 4-2. That would be a very interesting game and definitely be in with a shout for game of the weekend. I'll jump in with my score straight away and then go to my reasoning. I'm going to go with a 3-2 Leeds win. I agree with you that Everton's defense hasn't been great, but neither has Leeds. Uh, the 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 thing the weird thing is last week I mentioned that you know Leeds pull goals out of anyone and I thought they were going to do the same for Arsenal and then that game ended the way it did and it was it was irritating because if you look at the amount of chances that were created in game in that game the amount of times that but you know the teams hit the post they were goals in that game it's just the finishing was terrible. And both teams probably walked away, even Arsenal having 10 men, walked away from that game thinking, oh, we, we probably could have won this game or we probably should have won this game in the end when you look back at the chances that they had. I think this game is going to live up to the finishing. You look at two of probably the most informed forward players in DCL and Bamford. They have to score against both of these defences, just because the defence are going to give them way too many chances and you can't give too many chances to either of those players. So I'm I'm going to lock in not just the 3-2 that both DCL and Bamford get on the score sheet. How do you feel about that? I like it. I capped in DCL last week and it worked. I, Brilliant. Do I, do I dare? <laughs> do I dare do it again? Um... I could definitely see it, as I said. It, it, I've, I've put Leeds to score four, so if Bamford doesn't score in that, I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've got, I'll have to eat some humble pie next time I'm on, but it's, uh, it'll be interesting to see um, who plays up front, because like, if you play Rodrigo and Bamford, it, as we say, you can get at that. Like, literally just shoot at target. Pickford will screw up eventually. And Mina and Kane, sometimes they look good, but there's always a moment of madness in them. Godfrey's brand new. Um, They don't have a right back at the minute with, with Coleman out, unless John Joe Kenny's going to play. Um, Yeah, the defence is just a mess, so I, I can definitely see both of them. Both of them scoring. And if you want to see both of them scoring this weekend, I highly recommend that you link up with our presenting sponsors, Liberty Shield. Uh, This podcast is presented by EPLindex.com in association with Liberty Shield. Uh, Liberty Shield is a VPN provider. You can check out their services at libertyshield.com. Perfect package for this weekend, Uh, especially if you're in America. You've got Thanksgiving today. Happy Thanksgiving to our American listeners. They probably will be sitting back watching NFL games this weekend. I'll certainly be watching some NFL games tonight as well. Get the package. Get your TV sorted out. Get links to all the channels that you need to watch any show, anytime. And it, it just makes life easier, guy. I'm I'm sick and tired of having to check which fixture is being played on which specific t- uh, TV provider and whether or not it's pay-per-view or if it's, you know, free to watch or if it's on HD or it, it just seems like such a hassle. So 
the easiest way to get away from that I've found is just get yourself a VPN package. And the best in the business for that is Liberty Shield. Perfectly put. <laughs> <laughs> and speaking of perfectly put, the fixtures this weekend have been perfectly put in that we just had Everton versus Leeds United spoken about where we've both gone for Leeds wins a 4-2 and a 3-2 respectively. And we moved swiftly on to the next fixture on the list, which is West Brom versus Sheffield United. I'm going to assume your score lines are not going to be as high for this one. It's not going to have a four in it, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, this um, this is something. <laughs> this is what I said was my game of the weekend. It's probably the most important game of the weekend. Um considering the starts especially Sheffield United like West Brom were expected to be bad and they've done bad but they're not cut adrift yet whereas Sheffield United I think they finished ninth or top half and they just look they look lost in both ends of the field the midfield looks all right like Sanderberg's played okay Norwood's okay um Flex just come back and he played all right the other day but, I mean, defensively, without Jack O'Connell, it it's like, feels like the system just doesn't work without him. He seems to be the one who brings it together. Um, and they're moving their left wing-back to play centre-back. They're putting a new bloke at left wing-back. It's like, when, when it came up, you heard about how settled this team was. And I think, like, Lundstrom was, like, the only new player they actually put in, and he was already there. But he just impressed in that pre-season. Whereas now it's just, like... There's bits and bobs everywhere. You've got the Derby lads come in. You got a new look back free. Ampadu's playing a bit, uh, quite a bit, and he's done all right. Brewster's not really set the set the place on fire so far, but he's young. You don't really want to rely on him. Mick Burney can't really score at all. Uh, Mousset's been injured all season. He, he that seems to be his um, crutch at the minute. He just he can't stay fit. But when he does play, he seems to be excellent but he just seen plays one game and then disappears for a couple of weeks uh if not months so uh, this game for me if if Sheffield United don't win this like and I don't I don't even mean scraping a draw they have to win this because it's we've seen teams just spiral like I've got Sheffield United's results in me in front of me on on, on flashcard it's just a sea of red and one orange for a draw which was against Fulham and I'm pretty sure Fulham should have won that game. Um, and in terms of fixtures, they've got West Brom, Leicester, Southampton, Man United, Brighton's not an easy game, uh, Everton, Burnley. Like, it it doesn't get easier. So if you can't beat West Brom, maybe you're better suited to play in a Leicester, but Leicester have been playing really well apart from the Liverpool game. So if it just ha they have to win this. And I don't think I can trust them to win it, so I'm going to say one all. Wow. One all draw for Guy Drinkle. This game is going to be interesting for me. Both teams have not looked good this season. You, you feel for Sheffield United, the highs of last season, and then you know settling down in a position where maybe most people thought they were going to be that hadn't watched them too much the season before they came up, probably thought they were going to be struggling to stay in the Premier League. Seems like the seasons have been put in reverse now. 
Uh, now this is the season where they they are struggling. It will be interesting to see how they navigate this game because it's away from home against a team, as you said, this is such an important game. I don't know if it's a six-pointer yet, but I suppose all 38 games are equally important in in a Premier League season. So you could say this is a six-pointer. Get the win here at least, not only in terms of the importance of getting some confidence back in your team, getting a win as well, but just getting a win against a team that is also struggling this season. You you have to fancy your chances here. You have to think this is our chance to go and get a win. Last week they had Sheffield United. I mean, last week they they had West Ham, who, you know, it's a spirited team. Okay, fair enough. But now you've got West Brom. I know it's away from home, as I've mentioned, but this has to be your chance to get the win. I'm going to go with a 1-0 Sheffield United win. I'm not, I'm not, you know, over the moon predicting that scoreline. And your 1-1 seems a bit a bit right, but I kind of wanted to... to to go a bit against you there. I, I didn't want to do a 1-1 as well. Um, and if I'm going to pick one of the two teams that I think can get a goal, I think Sheffield United have a goal in them. I, I'm looking at Sanderberg doing something in midfield. He seems to be the one that pulls all the strings for them. And I think he's got just a little bit more creativity than the West Brom players have. And, and he's going to pull something out for them to hopefully see them over the line in, in getting a win. Yeah, and it, from West Brom, just to touch on them, it literally seems like, on paper, the front three seems okay with, with Pereira, Diagana, uh, and uh, Carlin Grant. But I think they're still reliant, like, uh, I can't remember who they played, but Callum Robinson came off the bench and they were all looking for him to make an impact. Like, he played well against Chelsea towards the start of the season, but uh, there's, just no, there's just no goals there, and you're relying on Carlin Grant, who... Who had a little spell in the Premier League with Huddersfield, but Huddersfield is the key word there. Um, and he did he did quite well for Huddersfield in the Championship, but it's a Championship striker with Dean Garner, who's a youngster who, what did he play half a season in the Championship? And and Pereira Pereira seems okay when when I've seen him, but behind that, like Livermore Sawyer's. Gallagher, uh, Branislav Ivanovic, it's 2020. Come on. <laughs> Jesus. Um, I like West Brom. They used to be my Brighton before Brighton existed. <laughs> um, if you didn't pick Bright- if you didn't pick West Brom when Lukaku was on loan on FM, what were you doing? Were you like... Oh, those were the days. Those were the days. Um, and then he'd reject you and then end up in three years' time he'd be back at you. Um <laughs> But I I have I've quite a soft spot for, for West Brom and it, it's a shame, like I know they're going through an ownership thing and and stuff like that, but they need they need reinforcements. Like the goalkeeper doesn't seem to be and he played really well against United. Um but he seems to be very inconsistent. The defence seems to be terrible. Um Conor Gallagher seems all right, but he's a Chelsea player. Like, yeah, <laughs> it's just, it's just very strange. It, it's very strange. So they need to sort out the ownership thing, and they need to they need investment in January because like they didn't even get Carlin Grant till the domestic transfer window shut uh, last day, I believe. So that club just seems wrong at the minute. Like I'm, I think they like all the high hierarchy got like binned off. 
and like the ownership just put mates and stuff in. So it it'd be a shame. Like it it'd be a shame if they kind of like just dissolve into nothingness. But there's a few teams where you think maybe not as bad as the Derby team, but you think are you going to get double figure points? <laughs> like what is going yeah. on? It's not looking pretty for either of these teams. And we move on to, obviously, it's a sad time for Guy and that Bank It or Burn It is not happening this week. As I mentioned, it's in a bit of a hiatus. Uh, last week, K scored 16 out of 25, which equaled your best score, Guy, 16 out of 25. So you guys shared the spoils on that one, and you're still both just one behind Jake Jackman, 17 out of 23. Uh, I, I, how do you feel about how the first phase of Banker or Burnett has gone so far? I feel like you didn't tell me Jake's score beforehand. So <laughs> I didn't have a target. I'm the target. I'm the target. I believe that. You did- Jake's score was like a non-factor when I was on. It only became a factor when I got a score. Ah. The rivalry between me and Dave made this sport what it is. I am, I am the McGregor. <laughs> <laughs> That that is a brilliant reference. Yes, <laughs> you may not have the belt, but you're the draw. Exactly. Nobody wants to see Khabib. He's gone now, but you don't want to see Khabib. You want to see McGregor, don't you? Oh well, I I love Khabib, but yeah, but oh. I, I I get what you're saying. <laughs> um, hopefully, I can make up for you for it this week. Uh, I've got a brand new segment that I'm trying out this week. I'm hoping to keep it going. I spoke to Guy a little bit about it before we 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 hit the record button, but I haven't revealed who's on the list. Um, but without further ado, it is Tad's top five, and this is a top five power rankings of the best five teams at the moment. It's adjusted for, amongst other things, the strength of the schedule, the margin of the wins, the absolute sauciness that teams are showing. And, you know, sauciness doesn't have to necessarily be ultra-attacking, free-flowing football. It can be a defensive masterclass as well. But the important thing to note is that this is my top five list, Tad's top five list. And the reason for that is I'm picking who's on the top five I'll let Guy comment on it afterwards, and if he doesn't agree, he's wrong. So it's irrelevant. It's not going to matter. This is my top five. Are you ready for my top five, Guy? It's the only reason I'm here. Let's get going. Starting us off with a bang, the team that is in fifth place on my top five list is West Ham. That's right. West Ham is on my top five Brand new show, brand new segment. And West Ham, I know they're in eighth place in the league at the moment, but the reason they're in the top five is just look at the teams that they've played recently. They had Tottenham away. Then they had Man City at home. Then they had Liverpool away. And then you go, you know, London derby against Fulham. And then you get the Sheffield win at the end as well. And if if I gave you those fixtures before you know, the, the, they actually had those fixtures. You'd look at those and you'd say, I mean, you're playing Tottenham, easy loss. You're playing Man City, easily a loss. You're playing Liverpool, easily a loss. You would get no points, no points out of those three games. That's not out of nine points. They got two draws. They got two points. I have to give them credit for that. And then not only that, 
they did what teams struggle to do. Okay, you've done well to get the two draws against Tottenham and Liverpool. Can you go and capitalize against the teams that you should beat and go and beat Fulham, go and beat Sheffield United? And that's exactly what they did. Not to mention, Mika Antonio hasn't really featured at the moment. He's been injured, but they plowed through. You teased at the beginning of the show you were impressed with David Moyes. I'm impressed with David Moyes. This is why uh, West Ham, um, number five on my list. I will jump to number four. Number four is Chelsea. Yep, that's right. Chelsea, they're in a groove. They're starting to gel. I don't know how long it's going to take for them to be free-flowing, get all those youngsters really geared up and, and, and playing well together. But at the moment, the important thing is they're not losing. When you're building a new team, when you're building a young, fresh team, you're going to get inconsistencies. You might get losses in some of these games. You might get draws that turn into losses, wins that turn into draws. But at the moment, that's not happening. At the moment, there are three wins on the bounce. They had the two draws. If you look at the draws they had, a draw against Southampton, who were playing really well at the time, and then a draw against Man United, you could argue maybe... You know, Chelsea were unlucky to have a draw in that game, but it's still a big game. It's still a game away from home. They get the draw. You're, you're happy with that if you're a big team to get a draw away from home. You're not ecstatic about it, but you'll take it. And then they go on to beat Burnley. Well done. Beat she- Sheffield United. Well done. Beat Newcastle. I know they haven't been difficult games, but this is a young team. This is a brand new team. They haven't had a long preseason. They haven't had time to properly bed in what Lampard wants them to do, but they're not losing. They're getting the wins when they need to, and that is why Chelsea are number four. I'll move on to number three. Number three is Liverpool. Yep, Liverpool number three. I know that some of you may roll your eyes when I look at when I say my explanation, but damn it, this is my list. This is Tad's top five. And if you have a better list, show me. Happily tweet it at me, tweet it at the podcaster's handle, tweet it at my handle, and I'll happily bury it for you. I will bury it so badly because this is my list and this list is perfectly correct. Look, Liverpool are number three because, one, the degree of difficulty for Liverpool in the first place. In terms of the injuries that they've had, and I know everyone's had injuries, but I don't know if everyone's, you know, Liverpool missed Allison at some point this season. Not many people have not had their number one goalkeeper play this season. Liverpool lost arguably the best player in the Premier League, definitely the best defender in the Premier League in Van Dijk. Oh, it's not just that. You don't lose your number one centre-back. You lose your number two centre-back as well. Gomez is out. Trent Alexander-Arnold is out. That's young player of the year star right back in the Premier League. Some would argue Reese James and the like. I think Trent is the best in the league. He's gone too. Salah, he wasn't there this weekend. He's gone as well. Thiago, your number one signing, the star that was coming in to elevate this team to the next level. Has he even played much this season? Have he even played 90 minutes? He's not been in. As as guys mentioned, every week we keep getting told he's coming back. He still isn't back. But they still carry on winning. Henderson, their captain's been injured. The list goes on and on with the injuries, but yet they keep winning. But the reason I can't put them any higher than third is you can't be losing 7-2 to Aston Villa, man. Come on. Big up to Aston Villa. It was a great performance. Liverpool, that was shocking. Inexcusable. I couldn't put them higher than third. I'll move on to number two on the list. 
in number two on the power rankings, it's Southampton. At one point, they reached the summit of the Premier League. And Southampton Twitter definitely has proof of that. I saw the official account was tweeting it. And, you know, you can you can give them credit for that. You give credit to Hasenhulter for turning it around. They haven't lost since game week two. So you give them props for bouncing back from, you know, two opening losses at the beginning of the season. They went to Molyneux last week. They had 54.7% possession, which was very impressive for me. So I, I I had to bump them up for that as well. They took the lead and they came away with a hard end point. I wish I could say no inks, no problem, following their 2-0 win over Newcastle, the previous fixture. But we'll have to wait and see for that one. As I mentioned, they got the draw in the end against Wolves. But I'm really happy with how they're going. As I said... They lost their first two games of the season. This thing could have spiraled out of control. Nope. They dug in, pulled their socks up, and they make the number two on the list, which leaves only one team left. Obviously, the one team that is number one on my power rankings on Tad's top five, it's Tottenham Hotspurs. That's right. Tottenham Hotspurs are number one. They haven't lost since the opening game of the season. They are second in most goals scored this season and first in the least goals conceded. They're coming off a hot weekend, you know, after beating the title favorites, Man City. And you can say, okay, the fixtures they've had haven't been as difficult. You look at Burnley, they've played. Brighton, they've played. West Brom, they've played. If you look where those teams are in the league, they're all bottom half, you know, you know, close to bottom half. But that win against Man City, 2-0, didn't even let them score a goal. I have to give mad props to that. We'll see how they get on with the fixtures getting a little bit more difficult now. You see Chelsea is their next game. But yeah, for me, that Man City win and Southampton getting the draw this past weekend is what allowed Tottenham to take the top spot of the inaugural Tad's top five. And that's it. Mic drop. I think I might actually agree with all five of them today. What I like. Of course, of course, you agree with all five of them because I'm I've never not had a perfect top five power ranking. I like it. I like the confidence. I like. Thank you. We will move on to a team that's going to continue the confidence, hopefully for their fans this weekend. It's Southampton. They take on Man United. As I said, no inks, no problem. We'll find out. How do you think they do in this game? This is a strange one because United are obviously better away from home. But Southampton have proven to be the better team, you'd say. Um, United just can't defend. (laughs) They just can't. I mean, Southampton... If Southampton can find a settled team, obviously they've had injuries and stuff like that, but Gineppo on one side, Armstrong on the other, Che Adams and Walcott, um, and then Che Adams and Ings when he's back, obviously, and then Ward-Prowse and Romeo. If they, if they could settle that into a team, I, I think that could continue to grow. You've got the excitement of Gineppo, you've got the steady hand and the work rate of Armstrong, and he's actually quite good a lot of quality, which you probably wouldn't expect from a player from um, the Scottish League a few years ago. But he seems to have really settled and become an important part of it. As we mentioned at the start, Shea Adams is is on the up and he continues to grow. Maybe this is just my Liverpool bias for Man United, but 
I think Southampton are the favourites, but Man United one way or the other. They've been absolutely terrible to watch. United fans won't disagree with that. But what are they? They've got 13 points with a game in hand. And if they win that game in hand, they go sixth. Which depend on goal difference. Their goal difference is worse depending on what they win. They'd be seventh. They'd be seventh if they won their game in hand if it was tomorrow. So, like, they look awful, but the start hasn't been as catastrophic as it should as it should be, to be honest. It's it's a strange one. Like, I think Southampton should win. But one way or the other, some idiot in the Southampton defence is going to give away a penalty. <laughs> it just happened. Like, United get soft penalties. As de- as of Liverpool, just to, just to disparage my bias, Liverpool had a couple soft penalties. United get soft penalties. But half the time, some bloke in the box just boots someone that they will not do any other time in the... Regardless of how bad United are, and they're terrible, they have an aura where they make defenders do stupid things. It's just weird. It's just very weird. Um, they probably will get a soft penalty, though. Uh, and it can be stupid and soft at the same time. It, it's just very... I mean, as a Liverpool fan, it's fine, because it keeps Oli in a job, and I don't think they'll ever challenge for the title properly with Oli there. And, and the Glazers don't help, but that's for United podcasts to talk about and stuff like that. But, um... What will I go with? I don't want to sit on the fence and say draw. I'll go 3-2 to Southampton. Oh, I typed it in. As you said, 3-2, I instinctively typed it in for Southampton. I don't know if I was being presumptuous there, but I agree with you in terms of just United. You know, if if Oli's there for me, I'm not... I'm 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 a huge fan of Oli, which should worry Man United fans. <laughs> I, I I absolutely love him, and the thing for me though is I think I figured Oli out. I mentioned a couple of you know wins in in my previous score predictions. I've I've predicted a few wins for United, and true to form, they did get back to back wins as I had predicted, and this is what Man United do now. This is what Man United are at the moment is. Just when you start getting that confidence up again, just when you start thinking, okay, we haven't been playing well, but we're getting the results. Okay, here we go. We're back. Ollie's at the wheel. And someone starts getting loud. They come crashing back down. And they're going to get a disappointing loss. And this is going to be that game. They had, uh, you know, before I was making my prediction, I had to quickly look to see how they did during the week. Uh, during Champions League, and that further confirmed what my prediction is going to be in this game because Man United won 4-1 in the Champions League this week. And once again, another convincing, confident win. They've had two wins on the bounce in the Premier League. It only means one thing. It means Man United are going to get too cocky. They're going to get too confident. And they're going to get... They're going to get... They're going to catch that L. They're going to catch that L, unfortunately. So I'm going to say Southampton win this one 2-1. I don't think it's going to be as big a scoreline as you've given it purely because Ings isn't there. And I I don't know if Southampton have that many goals in them without Ings. I know it's just one more, but Premier League, it's it's, it's not like we're scoring 20 to 40 goals in a game. So I'm going to stick with 2-1 for this game. So we've both gone for Southampton wins. Perhaps maybe it's the Liverpool bias in there. But you can't really show Liverpool bias in the next game because it's Chelsea versus Tottenham. Both are 
high up on the table. Tottenham are top of the Premier League table, not just top of the Premier League table. They're top of uh, Tad's top five against a Chelsea team <laughs> who come in in third place and are looking to try and get top of the league. How do you think uh, this game is going to pan out? I, this should be a fun game, but it just depends how which Mourinho turns up. But it's it's so interesting with with Jose because we've seen we've seen the the Chelsea implosion, we saw the United implosion, but that may have just been the state of them clubs because Chelsea just seemed well. We we know the dressing room stories. They seem to have kind of gone away. Well, no, it happened with Sarri, but maybe with Hazard leaving it to kind of eased it a bit, and Lampard's obviously got brought a few youngsters through, so the, the dressing room might be a lot different now, but it impl- imploded, I mean, he fell out with who? Hazard, Courtois, etc. Um, and at United, I mean, Ollie's not done a better job, has he, really? Like, Jose got second with them, then it did implode, let's be honest, but he got a trophy with them too. Didn't yeah, he? I mean, he, he got two, didn't he? Got Europa yeah. and League Cup. So uh, Jose's obviously done, yeah, put it like that. Jose's done a much better job than what Ali's <laughs> done so far. Um, so maybe Spurs is just the perfect storm for him. Like, you've obviously got two world class players there. You've got young talent there. The biggest thing is probably making up with Endombele, to be honest. Like, when when Mourinho came in, and obviously the 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 rambling started that Endombele wasn't a Mourinho guy, you'd probably think, well, he'd be he's going to be out on loan somewhere, and they'll make a huge loss on him. You'd probably think Ali is the perfect Mourinho player because he's a bit of a what's a P, what's a PG way of calling someone something? He's snide. Yes, snide. <laughs> <laughs> um. He's very snide. I like it, <laughs> and it's ju- it's just it's just gone completely polar opposite. And Dombele, I mean, he doesn't seem to last all ninety. And I f- did he come off injured against City? No, I think it was tactical. Was it tactical? Okay. I so, think so. Yeah. So if he's fine, I'd probably make them favourites. But I mean, Son, Kane, plus one whoever plays on the right, Mora, Bergvine, Bale, etc. And then Ndombele, who... I I don't get why people press him. <laughs> just, 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 just let him do his thing and just back off him because you, cannot, you can't take the ball off him. Like, I think Liverpool's probably the only team that should attempt it and then probably figure out this bloke is, like, made out of flubber. Just don't, like, just don't press him. Um, I, it, it's just it's just scary and impressive from them. Like, they didn't do huge... Like, they did big business. Obviously, Bill's huge. But... Heiberg, such a key signing. Um, Doherty hasn't really done much. We've seen like a bit of a resurgence in Serge Aurier. Regulon's been really impressive. It, they've done smart business without spending bazillions of pounds. Um, Bale's risk-free. So I, I, I kind of make Spurs the favourite. It just depends... If the defence doesn't implode, because that's the that's still the worry with Tottenham, because they have Eric Dyer back there. Toby Alderweireld's not the Toby of free fight Potch's prime. Let's go with that. Loris has a mistake in him. Uh, Musa Sissoko be- can become an issue as well. So 
if them players can keep up to the level they've shown this so far this season, I'd probably make them favourites because Chelsea, albeit impressive, the only other good team we've seen, or re- really good team, I should say, they've played against was Liverpool. And Liverpool just completely battered them all game. Like, we outplayed them all game. And it was probably one of our easier games of the season. So, there's big question marks on either. But Spurs answered one last week because this people, me included, people were saying, if they can get through Man City, they're in the title challenge. Now it's, can they get through Chelsea, Arsenal? And I think they play Liverpool in a few weeks as well. If they get through that and they're still in the top two, they're probably in a, a title race. So... I think Spurs have answered the, their first question where I don't think Chelsea have yet in terms of a title challenge. Obviously, both are easily in the top four. Right? It'd be stupid to say otherwise, but if if Spurs and Chelsea want to be in the title race and want to take a lead in the title race, they have to win. They have to win this game, but I'm going to sit right on this fence today and I'm going to say <laughs> two all. <laughs> Get nice and comfortable yes, on beautiful. that fence. Lovely, lovely. I'm going to go with, um, well, I have to go with my top team. I have to go with the team that's leading Tad's top five at the moment. I'm going to go with the Spurs win. Um, I think this one's going to be 3-2. I think they're going to be goals in this one, and not just goals, but goals in transition. I know Jose is going to probably have them sitting back pretty pretty similar to how they played against Man City. Obviously, they won't face the press that Man City had, but I, I think they're going to be shaped pretty well to counterattack Chelsea in this game. And the reason it will work in this game, you know, um, trying to differentiate it from the Man City game is that in this game, because Chelsea have so many players that are new, that aren't used to playing with each other, the transition defense is going to be their downfall in this game for me. And I can see Spurs really exploiting that. You've mentioned Dombele. Ah, he had a masterclass last week for me. I kept just googly-eyed watching him play. And my favorite player to watch play live used to be Musa Dembele. And it seems like Spurs have gotten another one for me here because Dombele just... Um, mm. He has an extra just, level as well. Like Dembele stopped when he could like get an assist. And Dombele doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it, just the confidence on the ball. And he reminded me of the first time Fabinho played Man City where he came onto the pitch and I think it was Bernardo Silva ran to press oh. him and he just skipped past him. And you could see Pep going absolutely livid on the sideline. Like, no, don't press him. The, I think it was someone was play, starting the game and Fabinho came on. So they were pressing the person that had started the game there. I think maybe Henderson or someone. But then when Fabinho came on, they thought, oh, we still press that specific position. And he just skipped past them and took out like five players with one with one shimmy. It was beautiful. And Dombele did the same thing here. At the beginning of the game, they were pressing him so much. And within 10 minutes, they stopped pressing him all of a sudden because, yeah, it, it wasn't working. It wasn't worth it. And I think he's going to have a similar dominant game in this one. So I'm going to go with a 3-2 Tottenham win. And we'll move on swiftly to two teams who have had very shaky starts this season, probably had aspirations of being the teams talked about the way we've just talked about Chelsea and Tottenham. It's Arsenal versus Wolves. Uh, this is... Well, let me ask you a question. What's more boring, this or the West Brom Sheffield United game? My goodness. 
I actually think purely because the 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 West Brom Sheffield United game has more stakes to it, it's going to be more exciting. Mm. I actually agree. Like Arsenal are painful to watch, absolutely horrendous to watch, and Wolves have been the same. Like at least Wolves have been boring and got results, but Arsenal, you just you watch them and it's just like no one's going to do anything in this game. Like, Arsenal will put 12 men behind the ball, and then I don't even know what their attacking tactic is. It's literally get it to the front line, and hopefully Aubameyang can run past people. It, it It's just strange. Like, William, I think he started off all right, then I think the con- people's concerns of why they bought him and why Chelsea fans didn't particularly like him They've kind of come to fruition recently. It just he just doesn't really do much. Do much Lacazette's shadow of the player that they wanted to buy from Leon all them years ago. Uh Saka's a young kid, Pepe's nutted people. Um I don't, they just seem broken. Like the midfield's over defen- overly defensive. The Ozil things over overshadowed the whole team for so many years. But Ozil Regardless of principles and all that jazz, you can forgive Ozil being lazy if he'll create one shot, <laughs> just a chance, because nobody else would. And I know, I know he's not registered, so he can't actually play. But they need him out. They need him out the squad. They need the wages off the book, and they need they need a creative eight or a ten or a winger or someone who can create a goddamn chance. And put Aubameyang through the middle. I know he doesn't do the things you want up there, but Christ, on the left, it's like a lost puppy. It's just sad. And Wolves... Wolves are just boring, man. Like, Adama was so fun last year, and he's only I think he only started the last game where they changed formation, and it looked very dysfunctional at times. Oh, it's... It's just an... I'm going to say I don't, I don't think I think this will be nil nil. I think Wolves. Be, I think Wolves are favourites, but I, I just I don't have confidence in either of these to score. I still I I think Arsenal are favourites in this one, and it's not by much. I'm, <laughs> you're right in that neither of these teams have looked great this season. The attacking fluidity, which both teams probably are more associated with, have disappeared this season. I, I don't know where they've gone. Obviously, Arsenal, more patient approach. I, I don't like it. It it seems so foreign to Arsenal. I, I get that Arteta is trying to implement a style of play and, and Im- implement his philosophy in this team. But, sh- oh, man, it's something that's got to... I, I don't know if... And, and maybe you could answer this. Do you think the fact that this season is so full of fixtures, so thick and fast, that teams actually don't have time to train and on tactics and stuff like that. It's a lot of recovery work going in and out of the weeks. Do you think that's what's hindering maybe the fluidity of this Arsenal system that, okay, we've got the patient play, but if I had time to train them a bit more and and work on the tactics a bit more, we would see more creativity? I think they'd see more because it's impossible to see less. Mm. (laughs) Um, I I personally think it's down to personnel and 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 tactics because I mean they're playing free at the back and yeah and that's probably more so the fact that most of the centre backs are, are Mustafi <laughs> um, 
uh, why would you register Mustafi but not play Saliba? I don't know. But that is a question for Arsenal fans and Arteta. Um, but I think the I think the key problem is probably the midfield. Like there's good players there. Like Xhaka, I think in recent years he's kind of proven what he does. It's obviously not create, but he he can what do they say? Progress the ball well. Yeah. But he's not creative. Thomas Partey is obviously a monster, and we saw that in the United game. Um, but he's not going to create. Um, Ceballos would probably be the one, but people who saw him in Spain say he's not really what he was at best. So maybe he's the one who, if you give him a run with the platform or whatever, he he could do something. But he, the personnel is just not there. Like you look, the comparison is Liverpool and Man City. But Man City have obviously been not not been that great. But you look at Liverpool; their midfield's not creative. Obviously, we have like Naby Keita and Thiago, but they're both made out of wet toilet paper. <laughs> um, <laughs> you don't need a creative midfield. You can have personnel like. Not everyone's going to find Trent Alexander-Arnold, fair enough. But you can create from full-back. They've got Maitland-Niles, they've got Bellerin, they, they can create in different ways. But you look, Liverpool's forward line, Salah's creative as anything. Mane's creative, Bobby's creative. Why? Why? If you get the ball to the forwards more often, it something will click. Just get the ball to the forwards, like... We obviously we're both Liverpool fans. When when we're in when we struggle in games, we always say on our on the sister pod over on Rate Don't Hit, most we didn't pass to Salah enough. Get the ball to your forwards, like it it just fixes stuff. <laughs> yeah, and, and and I think they're in a bit of a conundrum now because they had Aubameyang out wide. The fans were screaming for him to be put down the middle. He then plays in the middle and you get a nil-nil game against Leeds. So I, I don't know what he does there in terms of mixing and matching who plays where. But I think, as you said, they need to get the ball to their forwards a lot quicker and, and a lot more. Just the volume, especially with a guy like Aubameyang, let him have 50 shots a game. You know at least like 10 of them will go in at the very least because he's that mm. good. Play the numbers game. Just rely on the fact that because he's so talented, if we give him enough opportunities, he will score. But if you're giving you know, him one or two chances a game and then he misses both and you, you, you're up in arms that he's not playing well, it's, it's hard. It's hard for no striker has like a 100% conversion rate. The really good ones are what, up between 20 and 30%? Yeah. And if Arsenal mm-hmm. only giving three chances a game, you're, you're saying he's going to score that one chance? It's... You're not giving him the opportunity to shine the way that he can, and you look at how much Lacazette has regressed. Pepe has not done well. It's they they definitely need to sort that out. And I suppose maybe a game against Wolves, a, a team that's also struggling to score goals, maybe what it will do is allow Arsenal to be nil nil in a game for so long that they can then get the winning goal because a lot of the times they start trailing and then you're playing catch up and it doesn't work so well so i'm I'm gonna go for a late arsenal 1-0 win in this game um just listen to me give the ball to your strikers mm. a lot more and you will be fine we'll move on swiftly to leicester versus fulham leicester are a team that know 
what to do in terms of giving the ball to their striker in the form of Jamie Vardy. Uh, how do you see this Leicester side handling a, f- a Fulham side who have shown some spark recently or is, is that not enough for this game? They have going forward. Um, but I suppose it depends if Mitrovic starts and Anguissa starts and um, Loftus-Cheek starts. It's... Uh, Obviously, Loftus Cheeks knew Anguissa is pretty much new. I know he was there last time they were in the Premier League, but he's still bedding into a new team, pretty much a new manager to him. Um, regardless of what Mitrovic does, like if he's going to get sent off three times a season, he's still going to score more goals than anyone else in your team. Just Mitrovic, um, Kearney seems to be the ten. Uh, Bobby, formerly known Bobby Reed, I can't pronounce his new name. <laughs> I can't pronounce what is it, De- Decodovo, whatever it is. Um, how are we going to say his new name? Um, that one. Him and NRLC, it's an alright front four. It's not exactly fast or anything, but there's goals in there, there's quality in there. Anguisa and Lamina or Harrison, it's an alright midfield. But the defence, like, I don't know anything about any of them. Let's be honest. Like, the young lad from City, Arabayo, I hope you pronounce it. I'm good with names, people. Um, <laughs> I think he was playing for in the Championship last season, so it's a, it's a big jump for him. He's a young lad. Now he's a starting centre-back in the Premier League with a completely new back line. Anderson from Lyon, he was down the pecking order, so he wasn't starting for Lyon, and they were playing a back three, so who knows what his quality is. I think people have said he had injury problems as well. Olerena, um, I'm pretty sure he played in a back three at Torino, so he's maybe more of a wing back. And then a young lad from Wigan. It's a very patchwork defence, but we can't really know how good they are till they've settled because I think you can put attackers in and the magic sometimes just work, but a defence is about structure, a defence is about consistency and making relationships and all that jazz. It's it. You just kind of have to suffer through it at the minute, and it looks but like Dennis Adoy's not in the team. That is a very big plus. Tim Ream's not in the team. That is huge. It's they just need time, but there's only for how many games left? Thirty games left. Twenty nine games left. They'll run out of time, and regardless of how well that defence settles, they won't have the quality to beat most teams in the Premier League. Like, if they survived, I think they could do an Aston Villa and jump up in quality, but surviving's the hard bit. So, they've got better, but it, it, the project is still too early in, in the defensive shape. And Leicester, Leicester have done very well this season. Like, I think stats-wise, the have not been great but results is what matter and obviously they were terrible against Liverpool like non-exist didn't even show up at all um, but if they bounce back Fulham could be on for a hiding but I think there's vulnerabilities there um, Johnny Evans looks a bit lost Christian Fuchs is old and Fafana's he played alright against Liverpool time, but he's a very young defender who, who likes to go for a run Um <laughs> 
I'll say 2-1, which is probably my most boring scoreline apart from the Arsenal Wolves one so far this week. It's going to be a good weekend if mine's right. <laughs> um, so I'll go 2-1 um, Leicester. Yeah, I'll, I'll go 2-0 no Leicester. I, I would like to see more from Fulham and if they continue not playing Mitrovic, I don't know if there will be that. Uh, yes, they got the two goals against Everton, but we've spoken about the Everton defence earlier. I, I don't think you can take too much credit in getting goals against that defence. I think this Leicester defence will be slightly better, slightly more organised, and they need a reaction after the Liverpool game last week, especially at a pretty injury-ridden Liverpool side. Still a Liverpool side, so it's still going to be a good side and competitive side. But I think they're going to be looking for a reaction and they're going to take this 2-0 the next game that comes up, it's the team that's number five on my top five. It's West Ham. They entertain Aston Villa, who was storming to a league title early on in the season. Not so much lately. How do you find this game panning out? Um, I think this will be a good game. Uh, West Ham showing last week they can win without Antonio. Now, Flashcore doesn't have anyone listed as an injury doubt for either team. So I imagine that might be just because the fixture's a few days away. But it, I'm pretty sure Antonio was nearing a return. So if Antonio comes back, I'd probably make them favourites. But if he's not, I'd probably say a draw. I'll say 1-1 because I think both teams are good, but both teams have vulnerability. Like I think West Ham have the second best defence. But individually, like I think Balbuena you can get at. Ogbonna has a mistake in him. Creswell's a left-back. So I think if the right team can get at them, I think there is uh, fragility there. <clears throat> Whereas Aston Villa, obviously you mentioned they were, they were top of the league at the start and started so well. But <clears throat> I think since, what was it, since the 7-2 against Liverpool, they've been very inconsistent. They beat Arsenal, they embarrassed Arsenal. Um, but that's the sort of team Arsenal will, regardless of form, you can you can always beat Arsenal. It's just it's just what they've kind of become. So maybe Arsenal was the full stone in their form. But yeah, I'll say one one. But if Antonio's back, I'll say two one West Ham. So I kinda of cheat there. <laughs> I'm going to take the risk and say Antonio does get played in this game. So I'm going to go with the 2-1 score. I'll happily take that one that you lob down the center and, and I'll take a 2-1 West Ham win. I think Antonio makes the difference in this game. Aston Villa, as you said, the Arsenal game aside, haven't looked great this season. And, you know, Arsenal sometimes have those results in them where they, they just get destroyed by a team that you're thinking they're going to beat. But hey, this is a Liverpool fan speaking about an Aston Villa tonking. So maybe I should stop right there. The game we move on to, there's no other game after this. Oh, wow. We have reached the end of this podcast. Uh, that's going to do it for this episode of A Tad Predictable. Guy, do you have anything you want to plug, put over or promote before we wrap up? Um, I won't go through each show over on Anfield Index, but if you just follow me at Guy Drinkle, I will retweet what I'm on. It's obviously Liverpool-centric, but I do talk other teams, as I'm kind of on this and two-footed. Uh, actually, tomorrow I'll be doing pretty much this with Dave, but I'll be in your shoes hosting. <laughs> awesome. From my end, uh, go ahead and check out all the content on EPL Index website. We have match previews, post-match reviews, player performances, and all the news that you could wish for. 
Of course, there's the daily podcast, as guys mentioned, two for the podcasts with Dave Hendrick and, and Guy will be on it tomorrow. So that should be good fun. Finally, go out and check our flagship show. It runs weekly. It's usually out Sunday, Monday time. It's the EPL Roundtable, where Kev DeVries sits down with panelists from respective EPL teams. They do reviewing and previewing of the happening of all the things around the Premier League, as well as doing a deep dive on the specific teams of the panelists that are there. You can follow this show on the Twitter page, ATAD Predictable. Uh, follow EPL Index on Twitter at EPL Index. Subscribe to EPL Index our podcast channel on your podcast provider. Give us five-star ratings. Write some positive comments. That good stuff really, really helps us out. I've been Tadio Chanakira. You can find me on my Twitter handle at Tad Predicts. It's slightly changed now, so just take a note of that. It's at Tad Predicts. Our producer behind the glass and our guest today, Guy Drinkle, he's on Twitter at Guy Drinkle, as is mentioned. The lovely lady that does the voiceovers for all of our introductions, uh, you can find her at Spursy141, and you can send, I suppose, well wishes to her Spurs team being top of the power rankings. And remember, Chisinga Perry, Chinoshura. Podcast Network.